Hello, this is Sarah Tuberty, your host from Disarming Disability. Enjoy the following program on Public House Media. Thank you for joining the Confessions of a Military Spouse podcast on whatever day it is that you are tuning in. I'm your host, Jenna Burt. I'm a military spouse of 10 years, a mom, a registered and certified dental assistant, and a certified phlebotomist. Again, I just want to say thank you for taking me with you wherever you are and being here today. And if you find that anything in today's episode resonates with you or you know of someone else who might be interested in hearing this episode, I want you to share. This episode is going to be an amazing episode. I'm super excited about it. It's something that I think all spouses need to hear. And if you follow me, you know I have a very strong opinion about all of this. Um, And as always, I appreciate any and all feedback. So if you would like to do that, please feel free to email me at confessionsofamillspouse at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at Confessions of a Military Spouse, Instagram at Confessions of a Mill Spouse, or on publichousemedia.org. So as I mentioned, I am super passionate about today's topic that we're going to be talking about. And if you listened to my last episode, you know I am doing a special guest mini summer series. So without any further ado, I am super excited to welcome Kristen Christie who was the 2018 Air Force Spouse of the Year. She is a speaker and also the president of the National Veterans Vocational Village. So welcome, Kristen, and thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi, Jenna. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity. Yes, I am so excited. Um, Kristen actually reached out to me to be on the show, and like with everybody else that I have on my show, I research (laughs) to see if I think it's going to be beneficial um, for my listeners. And um, Kristen's story is amazing. It's humbling. It's emotional. It's raw. It's real. And unfortunately, it's something that is very common. Um, It's I'm going to warn you guys now, it's not an easy topic to talk about. I'll probably start crying. (laughs) Um, Me too. (laughs) It is not an easy topic to talk about whatsoever, but if anybody can talk about it, it's Kristen. Um, And unfortunately, it's something that is really coming to light now, especially in the military spouse community, um, Mm. which is why she could not have reached out at a better time. So... Um, Kristen, I guess with all of that being said, let's go ahead and I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, why you're so passionate about what you do and your story. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I was fortunate to be a product of the Air Force. My dad was in for 32 years. We moved about every two years. Uh, and was fortunate enough to uh, be a European and a Far Eastern brat, as well as living throughout the United States. And so my community in the military has grown, and I love this lifestyle. Not that it was easy all the time, 
but uh, it really, I think, made me be a better emotional support human, if you will. <laughs> with, yes. <laughs> with, with everything going on uh, in our military lifestyle. Uh, I, uh, I went to the University of Texas after, for college after experiencing a massive stroke in high school. So my, my plans to go on the pro tennis circuit were derailed. And when we hear it a lot, right? When a door closes, a window opens. And of course I wallowed as I was trying to, to learn to walk again and write with my left hand instead of my right hand and deal with the drooping face of a stroke at 15 years old. But I was given a full scholarship to the University of Texas in Austin and tried to find my community there. I had lived on base installations my entire life, whether it was Omaha, Nebraska, or Okinawa, Japan, San Vito, Italy, or San Antonio, Texas. And I needed to find my community. And so my community was the ROTC building. I, they spoke my language. <laughs> My acronym language, right? Yes, (laughs) which we all know is very important. It it is. It's a little different between the the branches, but we can still, uh, we have that empathy for one another. And that's where I met a a student. I met (laughs) that. I I went to a party. Don't tell my mom. Uh, I went to a party my junior year. And there was one person in the room I didn't know. And I will tell you, Jenna, I am an uber extrovert. I can walk into a room and suck the air right out of an introvert's lungs. And I, <laughs> I have love to that. Be, I have to be really careful about that. As I've grown older, I understand I have to temper that. And it bothered me that there was one person in the room I didn't know. So I made a beeline right to him and I said, hi, I'm Kristen Anderson. And he said, hi, I'm Don Christie. We can never get married. <laughs> oh, wow. He was bold. <laughs> he was. I, I'm like, you know, in my little head, I'm going, well, what kind of pickup line is that, dude? <laughs> right. <laughs> and he saw the confused look on my face and he said, you would be Kristen Christie. Well, I was also told I would never walk again by the doctors. I don't take no for an answer very well. And five months later, we were engaged. Two years later, we got married after he was commissioned in the Air Force. And up to Grand Forks, North Dakota, we went. And back (laughs) into the military life you went. Yes, absolutely. That I was so comfortable with, right? I just, my ID card changed. It was the same color as a dependent. (laughs) But I went from first child to spouse. (laughs) Uh, It just felt so comfortable being in that community. We we started our family there in Grand Forks. Our sphere of influence in our community grew. Uh, He was a missileer. And after four years, we got uh, our orders for Colorado Springs, which was, we were so excited. We had heard such great things about the Colorado Springs community. And we moved here in 1995, and in 97, he came home and he said, my career is not going the way I planned it. And he wanted to separate from the military. And to me, that was a blow. 
That's my identity. The ID card had been my identity, just like being an athlete had been my identity in high school. But I realized back after my stroke that my identity should not be based on what I do. My identity was based on being an athlete. It should have been based on being a hard worker. My identity should not have been placed on my ID card, but my identity should have been placed on being flexible and resilient and all the adjectives that come <laughs> with being a military spouse or a, or a military brat, right? Absolutely. We're very adaptable. And so that was another lesson in, in my identity crisis, if you will. But he had uh, explained that not was all was not lost, that there was something called the reserve. And I had not been familiar with the Air Force Reserve or any of the branch reserve uh, units. And so he joined the reserve. And I tell you, Jenna, we felt like it was the best of both worlds to be a part of a civilian community. It was actually the first time we had lived off base, too. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> We were communing with people who really, they had some understanding of the military because Colorado Springs is such, we've got five military bases here in Colorado Springs. Wow. Um, so they had some knowledge on it. So we felt like we were ambassadors. <laughs> right. <laughs> <the military. laughs> it, was, it was great. And we really got embedded in our reserve family. So he was a traditional reservist working as a contractor, and then they were standing up the space wing here in Colorado Springs for the Air Force Reserve and asked on to be a, a plank holder for the reserve wing. And so he went full-time reserve, and then he became a squadron commander. And that, Jenna, that was what one of his goals in the Air Force was to be a squadron commander and active duty, the active duty route, he just didn't feel like he was going to get there. And he got there as a reservist. That's amazing. And he came home in 2003. I, it still gives me goosebumps because I, I remember he came home in 2003. And this is when I knew he was a true leader. He said, Kristen, I have been tasked with getting volunteers to go on a deployment to Baghdad. And I don't feel right asking for volunteers unless my name is at the top of the list. See, I had heard this growing up, but I didn't understand it contextually very well. A manager or supervisor says go but a leader says, let's go. Absolutely. Don yeah. said, let's go. He was the only one chosen in April of 2004. He went off to Baghdad. He was second in command of the Baghdad airport. He was gone for four and a half months, which doesn't sound like a long time, especially when I know military spouses have dealt with deployment after deployment for longer uh, amount of time than that. But I think we all understand, no matter how long it is, a deployment is tough. Yes. We're a single parent. We uh, Things happen, right? <laughs> the gremlins <laughs> yep. come out. Murphy, Murphy's law of <laughs> <Yes>. deployment. <laughs> Ab absolutely. 
you know, things happen. And I, I am so grateful that one of the things that I grew up with, a mantra my parents had instilled in me and my brother as we moved was we got embedded in our community, whatever community that was, because eventually our community would need us and we would need people in our community. Whatever that community definition looks like, is it's different for everyone. It could be your neighborhood. It could be your church group. It could be, you know, the kids or the parents from your kid's school. It could be a bunco group. It could be a Texas holder, you know, whatever, coffee group, Bible study, whatever it looks like. But that's, that's community. And sure enough, our, you know, all the batteries in our smoke detectors <laughs> exploded. Oh, no. that they exploded. <laughs> like, that's even worse. Big, right? right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you hear about the alarms going off in the middle of the night, but the batteries yes. exploding. Like, Yes, it was not. Our basement flooded. I was eight months pregnant. Oh, gosh. Don was not, Don was not deployed, but he was pulling alerts as a missileer, and our basement flooded. And we had furniture down there. Oh no! So I I couldn't be moving the couch right. on my own. So it it took our community. So getting embedded in our community was so vitally important at any time, but especially on Don's deployment. We stopped watching the news. April of two thousand four, when he went over, they had the largest amount of casualties since the war had started. And what we didn't realize was that Don, as second in command of the Baghdad airport, yes, he met Donald Rumsfeld on the tarmac when the Secretary of Defense came to visit. He met Toby Keith and Ted Nugent when they came through on a USO tour. But he came home with the Bronze Star. And you don't earn a Bronze Star by just greeting DVs on the tarmac. Right. And he came home, but he really didn't fully come home. He was more withdrawn. So he was an introvert. He was more withdrawn. His fingernails were bitten down to the nubs. I noticed that. He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't as engaged with the boys we have two sons, Ben and Ryan, and just, I wanted to give him space. And I think pre-deployment and during deployment briefings by Airmen and Family Readiness, ACS, whoever does that, key spouses, ombudsmen, I think that's so important. Even if you don't think it's information that you can use, at least it's information in the back of your mind and it's resources that you can use if, if need be, whether it's yeah. for yourself or for someone else. Absolutely. And, and we had gotten brief that, hey, when he comes home, I, he did the finances before. So I was doing the finances for four and a half months. And they said, don't just give him everything that he had done before back to him right away. So we knew that time was a factor. Also, new communication was a factor. I communicated a lot more than he communicated when he came back. <laughs> right. I used my gift of gab, right? 
Yes. Um, but, but we did life and, and we took it slow. We communicated. He did, he still didn't open up as much, but he, he had an opportunity to be deployed. He took it. He was a good leader. He came home. And these were things that we could overcome. These were, you know, challenges happen in every day. And these were challenges that we could overcome. And then he had another opportunity. And I want to talk a little bit about opportunities. This was the second mantra we, my brother and I grew up with in our household, besides getting embedded in your community, was if you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you ask, you have a chance. If you have a chance, take it. And if it changes your life, let it. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I like it, that. My, my mom was an amazing woman. But that was something that, that she always brought to the table. We, we had so much fun growing up and we had opportunities come knocking and we took them and it changed our life and it changed other people's life in our community as well. So Don had an opportunity. He was picked up for Army War College. So he was Air Force. We thought, oh my gosh, how fun. We would learn Army ease <laughs> and find out how the Army works and and we were told we were moving to the Pentagon. He his follow-on assignment was the Pentagon. Now, as a reservist, before all this, this was 2004, he was deployed. 2005, he was picked up for Army War College. We had built a custom home in Colorado Springs in 1999 because as a reservist, you could pretty much homestead. You could pretty much stay where you were. And so we built our forever home. And then things changed in the military as they usually do. I know it's a shocker. Yeah, right? <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yep, yep. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. So Don had this opportunity, and, and we debated whether he would geobatch it, and the boys and I would stay here. But because our follow-on was in D.C., we felt we went ahead and sold our house in Colorado Springs and we all went to Carlisle Barracks for Army War College. And I tell you, it was a fantastic year. Absolutely fantastic year for our family, for him, our uh, our tribe, my tribe, my military spouse tribe grew to include a lot of other branches of the military. I, it just was a terrific year. And then six weeks before graduation, the Air Force changed its mind again and said, you aren't going to D.C. We need you back in Colorado Springs. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So remember I told you about the opportunity. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. 
Yes. Right? So I went to our custom home that we sold and I knocked on the door and I asked them if we could buy the house back. (laughs) (laughs) Literally knocking on the door. (laughs) So the answer was no. (laughs) Oh, dang. (laughs) I had hope there for a minute. I was like, oh my gosh, she's got to get their house back. But at least I asked. I have no questions on whether we could have gotten the house back. Exactly. And And so I have an acronym. A definition for the acronym NO. It means next opportunity. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so we had an opportunity to buy another house in another community. <laughs> and again, our community grew. And we met new people and, and networked. And But Dawn still hadn't completely come home from the deployment. Even though Carlisle was a a good year, he and I were still having a lot of problems communicating. Um, I was getting anxious. He, I I think the word intrusive (laughs) is one that he would use (laughs) for that time. And moving back to Colorado Springs was just another obstacle that was really hard to overcome. I likened it to double Dutch jump rope. You know, you've got two ropes going and here you are, you're, you're moving your hands, trying to track where those jump ropes are going so you can jump in and start, start jumping with two ropes going and tracking it so you don't trip. (laughs) Right. And And we tripped big time. In April of 2008, the coroner and two officers showed up at my door. Three days before he pinned on Colonel, Don took his life at the area, uh, the park near our house. So it was four years after the deployment. It was two years after we got back from Carlisle Barracks Army War College. Our boys were 14 and 12 at the time. Wow. And that night, I had a visual of what the word catatonic means. All I could think of were my boys, our boys. And I had to tell them. I had to call Don's parents and they blamed me. It it was a tough, it was a really tough phone call. And honestly, they still do 12 years later. Mm. And it was an adjustment. I made one phone call before all that to a, a friend of mine, a neighbor, someone I was embedded in my community with. She and her husband came over. They called our pastor. And all of a sudden, our living room and kitchen were overflowing with people. Remember, I'm an uber extrovert. So people are my battery, right? Right. Even in the midst of the darkest hour, 
My best friend came. She brought her two boys who were my boy's best friend. I remember 12 years later, every single person who was in my house. I do not remember a thing that they said, except one person. Bless their heart, Jenna. You know, <laughs> as human beings, we want to say something. We want to make it better. We don't like that awkward silence. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And she came and she said, well, he's in a better place. And my reaction to that was, why wasn't being home with his kids a better place? Right. Now, I am a woman of faith. I have grown up in the church. My kids have grown up in the church. We, I, I stand on a firm foundation of, of faith. Our pastor came. This woman went to church with us. So she knew our faith background and all. And so I get where she's coming from. I do. I do. But in that moment, <laughs> I was, I, why, why, right? We asked that a lot. Why? Yeah. Um, and, and that was, that was the hardest test. I, I say this a lot. Vernon Law is a, was an athlete and, and he, I use his quote a lot. It just resonates so much. I think with all of us, if we really think about it, but it's, um, he said, life is a tough teacher. We get the test first and then we learn the lesson. We get the test first and then we learn the lesson. Wow. We that can't is... always go ahead. No, that's just, I mean, it's a very, very true thing. Mm-hmm. And, and we can't always be there for each other during the test, but we've all been through tests, whether it's pop quizzes, a midterm or a final. And this felt like the final. And we all go through adversity. Some, you know, we talk about little A and big A adversity. This was a big A adversity, but we go through adversities every day and we can't compare one adversity to another. Even if someone else has gone through what we have gone through, they have different feelings and, and different environments and different community and, and all that. But I think we've all, it's safe to say, we've all been through either an eight to 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. So we have that empathy of understanding, not necessarily knowing exactly what someone's going through, but an understanding. Um, and sometimes it's okay to say, I don't have the words for you. Instead of saying they're in a better place or, you know, whatever, whatever we want to say, if we can just take a pause, because we're somebody's community and we're going to show up for them. So that's a, that's a big one. Our community showed up. And even if they didn't show up in person, they showed up. We got calls. We got letters. We got, um, it was Mother's Day three weeks later. And who buys for Mother's Day when you have two small boys, right? Yeah. My sister-in-law sent me roses. She lives in Ohio, but she showed up on our doorstep. Not literally, but she showed up. It, her spirit showed up um, 
her empathy showed up with the del the flower delivery guy. My best friend who brought her boys over, her boys were my boys' best friends. They lived with, with us for three days. She had taken them out of school and she actually slept on Don's side of the bed so it wouldn't be empty. She showed up. So I encourage your, your listeners, how are you gonna show up? Not necessarily for a death, not necessarily for a big A, but how do you show up for your community? Because guess what? You've been through tests, you've learned lessons. They're gonna need to know from your knowledge, you're gonna be their tutor through the lessons that they're gonna learn. And then someday they're gonna pass that forward or pass it back to you when you're gonna need it. But, but show up and do something, whatever it is. You don't have to say something. Right. You can do something, whether that's praying. I, I know sometimes people say, I just need prayer and, and that's wonderful. But those of us who want to do something, we want to do, a, you know, something more than praying, but we can show up and we can, we can start a meal training. We can, my hairdresser came to our house and cut the boy's hair before the funeral. She showed up and she did something. My friend came and took the boys shopping for suits. They didn't have suits. They were 12 and 14 for the funeral. Um, and it doesn't have to be right away. And I encourage people to reach out to those who have gone through adversities at random times. Yeah. It doesn't have to be on the anniversary, but it can be at random times. It's, it's been 12 years. Both of my children attempted suicide. My oldest son, Ryan, is 27. And he's been missing for 1,775 days today. Four years, 10 months, and one day. September 20th of 2015 was the last time I saw him. See, the, the choice that Don made had rippling effects, and it will for a lifetime. But Ryan was diagnosed a year and a half after Don's death at 16 years old with bipolar. Bipolar typically presents itself in the mid to early 30, or 20s. And I think if he had had time to mature and had that presented itself when he was more mature, things would have been different, but he, he spiraled down. He got into meth and heroin. He dropped out of school. He ran away. We were able to finally get him clean. He had meth mouth. His teeth were a mess. And our dentist said if, if he was clean for two years, so he went through random drug testing, our dentist would fix his mouth. And he did. And Ryan had his own business and he was thriving. And we were able to come along as a mother and a son to help other parents and children who went, are going through what he went through to help them understand that there's hope. There is true hope in community. 
But September 20th of, of 2015, he left to go to a uh, self-sustaining farm in Hawaii. He was going off the grid for a little bit. He needed that. He put things in our garage. He gave me his cell phone. He said, Mom, I'll, I'll call you in four months to pick me up, and hopefully you'll, you'll see the difference, a positive difference. Two months later, we found out he never applied for an apprenticeship at this this retreat. He never showed up. They didn't know anything about him. And then I found out from his roommates that uh, he had checked out books on how to disappear and how to change his identity. He has not used his social security number nor his passport number in 1,775 days. We've not heard from him. The police have his baby tooth for DNA. When I saved that baby tooth, that's not what I envisioned. As a woman of faith, I pray that Ryan is on the side of heaven, selfishly. But as a mom, I just want to know I do not apologize for my tears anymore. I'm human. So Jenna, my confession of a military spouse is I failed. I failed as a spouse. I failed as a mother. I failed as a community member. But I know that there is hope. And because there's hope for tomorrow, there's power in today, in the present. And it's my choice. It's my choice how I process all of this. And what do I do for my life? What do I do to take care of myself? What do I do when I take care of myself? That means that I'm a better mother, a better community member, a better spouse. I remarried. And so I'm doing this all over again to someone in the Air Force. <laughs> I'm doing it again. <laughs> but it was my counselor who helped me understand that fail is an acronym. It stands for first attempt in learning or further attempt in learning. Because I don't get it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it never ever means final attempted learning. Remember those, those lessons we learned after the test, right? Yeah. So sometimes we fail those tests. We feel like we failed those tests and it's okay to fail. But I had my community as my safety net, people who loved me because just, just because I want to have a positive attitude doesn't mean I have to be happy all the time. I'm not happy all the time. 
But what's that silver lining? You know, I, I have a silver streak in my hair. It came a year after my stroke that I had in high school. So at 16, 17, I was too young to be gray. So I colored that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> and as my hair grew, I had brain surgery and they had to shave my head. And as my hair grew, this this gray was popping up in the very center, you know, in the front of my my hair line. And so I colored it. But as it grew, it became my silver lining. And I am a huge advocate for silver linings. And sometimes you have to dig really deep to find out what that silver lining is. But there's one there. And sometimes you can't see it, but people in your community can see it. So I proudly wear my gray hair, <laughs> right? I, I call it silver, to remind me that there's a, a silver lining in there. The silver lining to Don's death, the silver lining to all these, you know, hard tests like Ryan missing, my boys attempting. It reminds me that I've learned lessons and I can come. Virginia, William Hill, America's number one sports book is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Along other people to help tutor them through those tests and through the lessons that they learned through those tests. For me, being an uber extrovert, I love a group of people. That does not mean that I don't sit across a table, six feet apart, mask. <laughs> right, mask on, <laughs> six feet apart now. Right, yep. But I love the eyeball to eyeball, and, and maybe sometimes it's even that, that physical distance. You know, we call it social distancing, but I, I want, this is a mindset change in semantics, right? Social distancing does not mean social disconnecting. It's really physical distancing with social interaction. Coming alongside one another. It's hard. I've had a tough time pivoting to virtual. And if I've had a tough time pivoting and I'm a master resiliency trainer, I'm sure other people have had a tough time too. But there are people who it, it's just, it's been relatively easy for them. And so guess what? I'm reaching out to them to help them or to have them be my tutor through this COVID life lesson. Yeah. <laughs> because I was embedded in my community. But our community is, is, our community is military spouses, 
it's been tough. You would think that we could come together with shared understanding And because I've had to pivot, I still want to talk to active duty and military spouses and veterans. I have a nonprofit that was started because of the veteran suicide epidemic. And I consider our uniformed military as pre-veterans. Let's get ahead of it. But our military spouses, too. In March and April... Just here in Colorado Springs, we had three military spouse suicides. And it broke our hearts. Yeah, I think it broke everyone's heart, but especially the military spouse community. And before that, before that, in January, we had a young military spouse in our community, in Colorado Springs, in our physical community who took her 17-month-old's life and took her life while she was pregnant. And I'm not, I, I don't know the whole story, but what I've heard over and over and over again is that she felt bullied by her military spouse community. And then the spouse in Hawaii. Sometimes it's easy for us to be an Eeyore, to be down, and thinking that to claw our way up, we have to take other people down. It's like a totem pole, right? Yeah. If we're at the bottom of the totem pole, how do we jump up to be at the top of the totem pole? What's better in our community is when we can lift each other up. Part of being resilient is celebrating good news with other people. Lifting others up. You know, a, a friend of mine, Rochelle uh, Futch, is writing a book called Her Ruck. She's a, a Marine who is now an Army spouse. She's a licensed uh, therapist. And it's Her Ruck, Unpacking the Emotional backpack of the military spouse. And it truly is, right? We are weighted down with the emotions of being a military spouse with this ruck. But when we come together as a community and we can help each other carry that ruck, it gets lighter for us. And so we are buoyed. Our, our, the person next to us is buoyed. Um, we are lighter on our feet. And together, we can do so much more for each other. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Jenna, this podcast, you celebrate good news. You talk about the hard stuff. I know this is not easy, but silence does us no good. You know, what, one of the sayings I, I, I use is, there is no room for strangers on this battlefield called military life. I'm working on a military spouse resiliency workshop, and it's going to be for the front range. It's kind of my guinea pig. So the front range from 
Effie Warren, Cheyenne, Wyoming, to uh, Pueblo, Colorado. We have five bases here in Colorado Springs. We've got a base in, in the Denver Aurora area. We have Effie Warren Air Force Base up in Cheyenne. We've got some Army and Air Force missions in Pueblo. And really the purpose of it is, is to equip our military spouses with the armor that they need for this battle called life and to feel protected, respected, and connected. I just, I love everything about that. That's, That's what it's about. How do we do that for each other? Yeah. So we don't have any more spouse suicides. So we don't have, we know that life sometimes just sucks. <laughs> right? Sucks. And we talk about embracing the suck. I don't want to embrace the suck. Right? I just don't want it to suck. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, so some people will talk about resilient, being resilient is bouncing back. And I thought that too, I have a different definition of, of resilient. It's just getting through it. Because when you bounce back, you're in the same darn spot. I don't want to be in that same spot. <laughs> right? I want to go somewhere else. Exactly. I want to, I want to get through it. So I'm also working, and I have been working on this, Jetta. This is perseverance. <laughs> I've been working on this now for eight years. It will happen one one day. Um, Absolutely. I, I If anybody can get it done, I know it's going to be <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But it, not me by myself, though. So I have been working on a national, it, it was a national survivor's day where all survivors of something, lost job, broken heart, death, illness, you know, little A, big A. Uh, we've changed the name to National Resilience Day. And this year, it was supposed to happen on the uh, floor of the Senate and the House. And we were continuing to work to get in the Oval Office to get it signed uh, by the administration. Um, and it's March 4th, because no matter what the obstacle, we put one foot in front of it. No matter what the obstacle, we put one foot in front of the other and we march forth and conquer. So I'm still working with our administration. In the past, I've waited a few months before March 4th to get it done. Why am I waiting? <laughs> get it proclaimed now. It can, so next March 4th is National Resilience Day and we can get out of bed and pull our shoulders back and hold our head up high and say, I have survived. I have gotten through life's tests, some of life's hardest tests. And I have learned lessons that I want to help other people through. Whether it's one person, a room full of people, or an auditorium full of people. Okay, a Zoom room full of people. <laughs> right. It, it, it's a mindset change. So I, I'd like to ask your listeners to show up, to do something, and change their mindset, their survivor, 
they can help other people survive through life's tests and to lift each other up. It's hard. I had a friend. <laughs> I just went through this last week. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. So he called me. I have accountability partners in the speaking, the public speaking world, and then in, in the nonprofit world. It really helps. I mean, we are not made to do life alone, Jenna, right? Right. No, <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> so boring. Uh, so I have accountability account. I have accountability partners that I meet with either once a week or twice a week or uh, every other week. And he called me and I let him go first. We, We always take turns on who starts first. And he had such great news. He was moving. He got a job with a company that was part time that was paying him about full time rate. He was going to be able to train others in resilience. And because it was part-time, he was still going to be able to work on his resilience business and his speaking business. And and I'm like, I'm going, that's what I want to (laughs) do. Right? And I had to catch myself because I had to say, congratulations, that is fantastic. And really celebrate his good news because when I build that trust with him on celebrating good news, he's going to come to me when he doesn't have not so great news. And that's, that's a trust that builds trust. And I want him to come to me when he doesn't have such great news because I don't know if, if you go through this, Jenna, or if any of your your listeners do. I have a feeling we all do. I hope so anyway. I <laughs> what? I see more in other people than I do in myself. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, could, I, could, I could not relate to a statement more than I do that one. <laughs> Amen. Then, <laughs> Amen. Good, good. So when he can come to me with his not so good news, I can see outside the darkness and the disappointment that he is experiencing to maybe help him to be compassionate. And then as an accountability partner, so I'm going to use a word I used earlier in, in, Uh, our conversation, the intrusive part where I know Don felt like I was intrusive and I felt like I was being compassionate. When I can tutor someone, I want to be compassionately intrusive. I don't want to nag them. I want to encourage them. Again, semantics, right? (laughs) Right. Oh, they're pushy. No, I'm just encouraging. (laughs) Uh, But when we can be compassionately intrusive, when we listen to our heart and our gut, and we ask someone, how are you doing? And even it's amazing text messages. You can get a tone (laughs) from someone on a text message. (laughs) And you know, when they say I'm doing fine. 
um, they aren't doing fine. Yeah, that's yep, like a pretty much guarantee that they are not fine. Yep. If they use exclamation points a lot, and this time it's a period or no, <laughs> no punctuation at all. That's when I I encourage you you to be compassionately intrusive. Keep them in your periphery, but you don't have to be right in front of them going. I know something's wrong. Tell me what's wrong. Uh huh. Do it right there. We're all different. We're all different. So be compassionately intrusive in, in that arena. So I, I was, I had to step back last week and go, okay, my reaction is, so do they have a job opening? (laughs) Can you provide a for me? So I want the job you have. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, But so I will admit I use exclamation points a lot. In fact, a friend of mine is coming up with a logo for my speaking business, and it has an exclamation point in it. Um, there's a, a story. Uh, uh, someone was going through a cemetery with their nine-year-old son, and they were going to the grand, the nine-year-old's grandmother's uh, plot and headstone. And it had her birth date and her death date. And the little boy said, what is that line? And that's when the father said, that represents her life from birth date to death date. So because of the things that I've gone through, we have, and Sean and I got married six years ago. He has been so supportive. I I just couldn't ask for anyone Better. I, and we met on Match.com, by the way, so it does work. <laughs> we were. Yep. Um, but we have our affairs in order because we never know what what comes in life. But in in my will, I specifically stated on my tombstone, I want my birth date and my death date with an exclamation point in between. <laughs> And it seems so perfect and so fitting for you. So Jenna, if you were walking to, you know, through a cemetery and you saw something like that, what would come to your mind if you saw a birth date and a death date with an exclamation point in between? That the first thing that comes to my mind is, first of all, they had to have been a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, And second of all, they lived a really outstanding life. Um, There's just something strong and bold and, you know, an exclamation point is just, to me, it symbolizes happiness. Yes. Yes. You know, so, so think about OMG. OMG, if it's all lowercase and no exclamation, it it could be an eye roll, right? Like, oh my (laughs) gosh. Yes. So I know you can't see me rolling my eyes, but could you tell? Yes, absolutely. Or OMG, capital letters with a, a number of exclamation points. And even I love that little heart exclamation point emoji. <laughs> <laughs> but what is that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right. <laughs> Your tone in a logo, in a, a text message. I love that we can do videos now and text 
those videos, so there's no question about tone. But to me, an exclamation point really lifts you up. It lifts me up. I mean, I'm sitting in my chair a little, sitting a little straighter with the exclamation point. <laughs> How can we be that exclamation point, especially for other military spouses? We don't know what they're going through, right? We don't know what battle, what war they're going through. A kind word does a, you know, just reaching out. Um, I, I would tell you going through Zoom and doing a lot of webinars, since I'm not traveling anymore right now, I do a lot of webinars. Uh, just to, as a student, there are a lot of free webinars. I'm trying to, now my house is not clean. I've had since <laughs> March. <laughs> I will say we have one room and it's my office where we hide things when people come over. <laughs> over. I think everybody has that door. room, right? <laughs> I, we got to, right? We, we have to. Um, but I write down everyone's name. Typically on Zoom, when we do gallery view, we have a name that pops up. And I encourage people, when you do a Zoom call, put your full name on there so they can connect with you. It's all about connection. How do you do that over Zoom or, or whatever platform you're using? To have that connection afterwards on Facebook, on LinkedIn, how about, you know, if they feel comfortable sending you their uh, cell phone number and you do the same and then... What I do in the mornings is I randomly, <laughs> it's like throwing darts at my contact list on my phone. <laughs> you know, if you go to your contacts, I, I have an iPhone. I'm sure it's the same way on Android or anything else you use. It, you can scroll. You can just swipe down and it scrolls through and then you put your finger down and it stops at a name and I'll text up to five people because I want to have a, a connect with them during the day. If you do a whole lot of people, then you're going to get a whole lot of, <laughs> of, of responses and you got to keep that going. Right. But I, I connected with a woman. She had given me her cell phone number. We flew on a plane, I think a year and a half ago, two years ago, and she had given me her number and I put it in my contacts list. And so I, I do put my name on my text messages just in case the other person doesn't have my name and my contact in their phone. Otherwise you get, who is this? <laughs> right. But I, I text her and just said, Hey, wanted to check in and see how you're doing. I texted my plumber. <laughs> he was, you know, it, it made them feel so good, but Jenna, it made me feel in, even better, even better, because that's how we can see each other. That's how we connect with one another. Sometimes it's a text message. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's sending a little something in the mail. I love handwritten notes. I don't do it a whole lot. I wish I could do it more. Um, I just, it's my choice, right? So I, here I say, I wish I could do it more. Well, gosh, darn it. I can do it more. It's my choice. <laughs> Jenna, I'm going to do that more. You're my accountability. Partner. Hey, listen, I'll <laughs> hold you that. for that. <laughs> I'm doing that. So how do we connect? And we don't know what this, this is going to look like 
in a few months or even a year from now. I wish that I could go back in March because I, because none of us really knew how long it was going to last. I wish I had done things a little differently, like yeah. exercise <laughs> and ate better and worked on, you know, getting, doing virtual things more. A friend of mine was funny. She said, after all this, we're either going to be a drunk, a chunk or a hunk. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, I, uh, I am the chunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my size is TLC, thick like cheesecake. <laughs> oh <my gosh. clears throat> but that's okay. That's okay. I, you know, um, but it's our choice. How, how are we choosing to do life together right now? Uh, I chose to, to reach out to you when I, heard your podcast and, and I, I am so very thankful that you chose me in our story, um, in my confessions of failing for your podcast as well. So what, what, what are we going to choose to do today? Let's not worry about tomorrow or next week. Let's do take it one day at a time. Absolutely. And I am just so thankful that you chose to reach out to me. Um, I always find it really interesting when people hear about me, you know, because as we were talking and you said, you know, believing, talking about believing in other people more than yourself, I view myself as this like country bumpkin, like small town person. And then I literally right before our interview text um, the the founder of my publishing company. And I was like, Oh my gosh, she's air. She was air force spouse of the year. She's president of, you know, this, this company and she's a speaker and I don't normally get nervous, but (laughs) (laughs) I said, but it makes me, you know, because I don't see myself as someone, you know, that, I literally started my podcast just to let other spouses know that they weren't alone. And then to have these people that have come into my life because of my podcast, like yourself, that I mean, I'm just sitting here in awe of your story and your resilience and just how your perspective, I mean, I I literally don't have words. <laughs> um, so to have people such as yourself come into my life because of this podcast, it's it's humbling for me. And it's something that I never thought would ever happen. So like I said, I'm so thankful that you reached out to me. And I'm thankful that my our listeners get to hear your story. Um, I know it was hard to talk about. And I'm not going to lie. I muted myself most of the time because I was fighting back the tears, (laughs) drying the tears. Um, But it's something that has to be talked about. And your story, as as terrible as it is, is also so beautiful. And I want to say thank you for sharing that with our listeners so they know that they are not alone. Absolutely. And, you know, so selfishly, Jenna. And I appreciate Kristen putting us together. Um, you know, that's the beauty of this too, is 
she and I are in a community together. And then she told me about you. And now the three of us are. I know. Are, we uh, need to do a Zoom meeting. <laughs> yeah, heart sisters. Um, what, what you've done to, to bridge those gaps. First of all, you had an idea and it could have just stopped right there. It, you could have just said, well, I have an idea. But you <laughs> marched forth. You marched forth because, Jenna, was it easy to start a podcast? Oh, my gosh, was no. Was it easy to find a publisher? Was nope. it, it wasn't easy. No. And, and to be 100% honest, I've said it before. I almost didn't start my podcast because of the I was worried about the backlash that I would get. And I was worried about being bullied. Yep. And have you, have you been? I have not. And it has been so amazing. I have received so many messages, you know, from fellow spouses telling me, thank you for sharing. I'm so happy to know I'm not alone. Your advice has helped me so much. Just uplifting and empowering messages from other spouses. And that's what keeps me going. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel... I mean, on top of the world, and it truly is what keeps me going. There was a period of time where I told the publisher or the founder of my publishing company, I said, you know, I just don't know, like, if I should continue going. And literally that same day that I sent that message, I got an email from a spouse telling me how much my podcast had helped her. And that was it. That's all I needed to just keep marching forth. God works in mischievous ways, girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mysterious, but also mischievous ways. So kudos to that military spouse mm-hmm. who had it on his or her heart to reach out to you, to let you know how much you and your podcast have meant to them because that military spouse may not know it, but I wonder if confessions of a military spouse would still be around after telling your story, if it would still be around if that particular spouse had not reached out to you. Yeah. That spouse made a choice. They did. And look at the rippling effects. I know. It's uh, it's like it gives me goosebumps just to think about it and talk about it because like you said... God works in mysterious, but also very mischievous ways. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I encourage us as a human race that when we see someone or someone is on our heart or in our minds, we stop what we're doing for a little bit of time and we reach out to them, whether it's an email, a text message, a phone call. Something on on Facebook, it doesn't have to be on their page. It could be a message because they're on, they're in your thoughts for a reason. And it's amazing how you'll find, you'll get responses from people saying, how did you know? How did you know? It's, it truly is goosebumpish, right? It is. It really is. And, and builds that trust and um, it's doing community. It's, it's doing community together and lifting each other up when we need it the most. Absolutely. It's just so much fun. It's it really so much is. Fun. 
It really and truly is. And I have enjoyed having you on my show so much today. And I'm so, like I said, I'm just so thankful that you reached out to me, that we were able to be connected. And I know that you are someone that I will absolutely be thinking about for (laughs) probably the rest of my life, not in a creepy way, but probably the rest (laughs) of my life. And that I will, of course, keep in contact with. Absolutely. I am planning that someday we are going to see eyeball to eyeball, belly to belly and toe to toe with our arms wrapped around each other. I was going to say with hopefully hugs. Yes, not just elbow bumps, but I'll yes. take whatever I can get. So Absolutely. I know, Jenna, I appreciate that you're going to edit this and all. Um, I I will say, if anyone would like to get in touch with me, after every presentation, in in person or virtually, my last slide is my contact info. It's my personal cell phone. So after the voicemail, I don't turn off my phone. It may be on vibrate. I may not answer right away, but I give out my personal cell phone number, which is 719-502-0827. Or 719 Hot Mama. <laughs> no, I don't know if it's called that. It's <laughs> <is> amazing. <laughs> I've had the number for since 1999. So, and because Ryan's missing, I haven't changed it. But yeah, I, you know, just to be funny, uh, I do need to figure out what it spells. <laughs> um, Dang it. I had so much hope. <laughs> Uh, you know, just the, the, try and put humor in life. Um, but uh, please feel free to to give your listeners my, my cell phone number, my contact information. And if I don't have the answer for them, I can certainly help find the answer. That's what gives, uh, that. that's what fuels the fire in my soul to help people see in themselves what I see in them and what the world sees in them and that they can put one foot in front of the other and they can march forth and conquer over any obstacle. But more importantly, they, we do it together. Oh, thank you so much for everything today. And I will definitely, um, be passing along your information to our listeners. I know there are so many listeners out there that could really benefit, um, from having that number and having that safe place. Um, I know just from the time that we've been talking, I absolutely would consider you a safe place. So I'm so thankful that you're so willing to be there for them. My pleasure. My, my absolute pleasure. So earlier in the episode, if you were listening and paying attention, Kristen mentioned that she doesn't turn her phone off anymore. And there, while that may seem like a very small detail, um, 
there is actually a very big meaning behind the reasoning as to why she does not turn her phone off. Um, she shared that reasoning with me and I am lucky enough to be able to share it with all of you as well. Um, that reasoning is a very raw and very emotional and very powerful voicemail left by her son who has now been missing for this extended period of time. So before we go, um, I want to take a moment to share with all of you that voicemail that was shared with me. Um, just you know, as a reminder that not only decisions that you make are going to affect yourself, they're going to affect others um, in a way that maybe you don't realize or understand. Um, so with all of that being said, please, please, please take a listen to this voice message. <laughs> I did that. Is QuickBooks slowing your business down? Do you have challenges managing inventory, project profitability, or just getting paid fast enough? Get your business to a better place and graduate to NetSuite today. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com info. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash info, netsuite.com slash info.